immediately I'm offended. Why? Because my attention is on me, right? How dare you offend me? Um, that energy, that focus and attention could, you know, we can correct it. We're not responsible for the first conditioned response. Okay. So you don't have to feel bad about yourself if you get that feeling, right? That's been conditioned in you. But then what we do is we go, okay, I wonder what is going on with Matt. I wonder what he, you know, he's not a threat to me. In fact, I I have the agape love for him. I'm going to take him seriously. I'm not going to discredit him or look down on him. But my attention has to go to the person to have some compassion for the person. And also remind yourself, the thing that is offending you, you've done. The Shepherd in the Shrink podcast can only happen with your support. Please go to patreon.com, search for the Shepherd in the Shrink podcast, and find all kinds of cool stuff that we have in store for you. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit, because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Marty, I'm excited for a two-parter. How are you? Good. Good afternoon, Matt. I'm doing good, man. Yeah, we have two-parter today. Yeah. And this is a big week for you. Your clinic is moving. Clinic's moving. Yep. Bigger, better. I'm looking forward to being back in Dexter, Michigan. Renew Hope Counseling. That's right. Yeah. So good. We can we can resume our walks and our schemes. Exactly. <laughs> to take over the world. <laughs> well, speaking of what's taken over the world, we've got a couple topics that are about stuff that is taking over the world, taking over our communication, taking over our relationships. Yeah, right. Um, the culture wars. Man, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Since, um, it's kind of a new thing. I, I put, I start the clock on this stuff. You know, it's always been going on a little bit, but when it started getting really bad is around 2015. Mm-hmm. That's when I really, that's when it started getting into our communities and people started dividing and rejecting one another based on, um, you know, these cultural beliefs and political beliefs and social. I never thought it would be so countercultural to say, because I don't agree with you on these specific issues I cannot be in a friendship with you. It, it blew my mind because I didn't see it once. I saw it a bunch of times. And, and so then I got really curious, like, what is going on here? And what does Christ have to tell us and the apostles have to tell us about that? Because, you know, this is going to be hard for some people to hear maybe, but there's so much in God's word and commands that are being violated when, with some of the behavior. And, and I'm, I'm not going to exempt myself. I've had the impulse to do it. I'm sure I've even done it before. I haven't like canceled anybody from my life but um you know i'm hoping we can get into that right now um you know without being you know we're not judging look we're we're commanded to see sin in ourselves and others and um so that that's what we're doing so we can correct it it's not to uh, condemn any human being because this is kind of our nature it's hard for us to be humble yeah yeah you know doing a podcast can be weird preaching can be weird and especially if we're going to be talking about what we believe, what you and I both believe is the number one source of help in the midst of a toxic culture. And that is humility or the yeah. spiritual discipline of humility. And so I'm glad you asked. Now, let me tell you all I know about being humble because I've got it all figured out. 
people say that because it's a joke, but we, we're, we're to talk about these things. I don't want that to silence anybody. I talk about all sorts of things I'm not good at because I want to get better at them. So these aren't really our beliefs. We're, this is our be- Christ belief filtered through us with our best you know, shot at understanding what he really meant. You know, I think that we think it's out of humility that we won't say true statements or helpful statements because we're not perfect. I'm not, per- we always have to say, I'm not perfect, but I think this and this and this. I remember, I think it was 20 years ago, Dr. Laura, someone called in and they were afraid to tell their daughter or son something because they weren't very good parents or something. And Dr. Laura said, listen, if you are a chain smoker, there is still the truth that smoking is bad for you. And so for you to tell that to somebody, it feels like it's a joke, but just because you don't perfectly align because you're human, you shouldn't be afraid to talk about these good things or these things that we should strive for. And the other person can judge whether or not you're striving for them, but what you're saying is true. That's well put. So humility, you know, what is it? What is it? You know, and where are the models for it? Those are my questions. Yeah. What is it? What's humility? It's because it's all over the Bible. We're supposed to be, we're, look, these are commands. You have to remember that too, because we're going to have to step outside of our nature to follow these commands because Christ was the only fully human person. He, he was the human that um, Adam was supposed to be, right? So when he tells us to do something, it might seem a little counterintuitive to us. We may not even like it, but that's the point. And that's evidence that it probably is true then. Yeah. Because oh, it's not yeah. my nature. It's Christ's nature. Right. Right. You know, I love how Jesus himself said, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. I think this is a first step for humility. He said, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of everybody else. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's Mark chapter 10, starting in 43. I think the idea of how do you succeed in humility? If you want to be great, you must become the servant. The servant, especially when we feel provoked by the culture wars. Because look, the first century had its culture wars. You know, they didn't like the Samaritans. The first century Christians didn't like the Samaritans. So Christ had some, well, you know, the the, the followers, the Jewish people, um, they hated the immorality of the Romans. They had to deal with that. That's, that's analogous to whatever political party that you feel compelled to, to fight against. Right. And, and, and the Messiah that they were looking for wasn't that humble, uh, meek servant. They were looking for a political leader to change their environment, their government, Yeah, very much attacking what they didn't like about the world with other stuff from the world. Yeah, that's that's what's happening. You're coming at me with the big club, so I need to raise up a guy who's got a bigger club who's going to defend me. So let me tell you about that, because because this is the temptation, because we will become the thing that we hate. So somebody is being haughty and um, arrogant and something. And then what do I want to do? Return fire. That's my first impulse sometimes. How dare you? And then I'm doing the very thing I didn't like done to me. And it makes for good entertainment all over YouTube, Instagram. Yeah, I'm all about inclusion. And that means excluding you. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm all about a peaceful world, but I'm, I'm very um, feeling a lot of uh, hatred and contempt for you right now. 
I'm all about tolerance, but not for you. Right. Right. How does you see that playing out in a psychological practice? Oh, it, it happens all the time. So I found this great. There was a psychologist early on that was kind of going against the psychoanalysis to kind of expand our view of human beings and what psychology should do. His name is Gordon Alport. He was a Harvard psychologist. And I found this really cool quote because um, it does show up in um, what he's calling neurosis. You know, what we call neurosis now would be, you know, the, the disorders that we treat, right? But they call that neurosis. So Gordon Alport says, any neurotic is living a life which in some respects is extreme in its self-centeredness, okay? So connecting neurosis with self-centeredness. The region of his misery represents a complete preoccupation with himself. The very nature of the neurotic disorder is tied to pride. If the sufferer is hypersensitive, resentful, captious, whatever that means, he may be indicating a fear that he will not appear to advantage in competitive situation where he wants to show his worth. If he is chronically indecisive, he is showing fear that he may do the wrong thing and be discredited. If he is overscrupulous and self-critical, he may be endeavoring to show how praiseworthy he really is. Thus, most neuroses are, from the point of religion, mixed with the sin of pride. This is a psychologist saying this stuff, right? This is where I'm telling you that the, the podcast, it's always an undercurrent of the podcast that this is really good psychology in, in, in the scriptures and Christianity. They, they dovetail. There's so much overlap. I love when people think faith and science are mutually exclusive, one or the other. It's yeah, really because we're not taught false. the history. Right. We're not taught the history that, that Newton was devout. You know, um, the people who came up with science were in large part devout Christians. And that's the reason that science was developed as a method. Right. It wasn't a counter religion. It was to help to find the hand of God that was working because there was a belief that there was a hand at play and they wanted to discover it more. And that there were specific things we could depend on. Absolutely. We could test our theories again. Science is all about questioning. Yes, that he's the same yesterday and today, but it doesn't disprove God. If anything, uh, it, it's more awe-inspiring. Yeah. Right? It, it promotes wonder. rather Including than in the human personality. Yes, very true. Have you ever noticed some people find it hard to be humble because they're so busy focusing on being right or putting themselves first or the opposite? They're busy worrying about what other people think of them, worrying about their own humility about their future, basically about themselves. And that's kind of what he's saying. That is what he's saying, Matt. So, so what's the remedy for this? We know, and we're commanded to do this, and that, that is humility, to be humble, to put others above ourselves. That is the whole problem with humility, which I think is hilarious. As soon as we think we're humble, we're not. Yeah, I know. Because it, it's self-conscious. Remember, the self-conscious emotions are very painful. In the Christian life, it's others. Like Christ said, he's a servant. The, the servant's mentality. So, so somebody is just um, chirping on Facebook, you know, some kind of a burr mm -hmm. um, that they have. Immediately, I'm offended. Why? Because my attention is on me, right? How dare you offend me? Um, that energy, that focus and attention could, you know, we can correct it. We're not responsible for the first 
conditioned response. Okay. So you don't have to feel bad about yourself if you get that feeling, right? That's been conditioned in you. But then what we do is we go, okay, I wonder what is going on with Matt. I wonder what he, you know, he's not a threat to me. In fact, I I have the agape love for him. I'm going to take him seriously. I'm not going to discredit him or look down on him. But my attention has to go to the person to have some compassion for the person. And also remind yourself, the thing that is offending you, you've done and are probably still doing, right? So maybe we can have some sympathy or compassion with that to say, oh, you're not a monster. I've done that before or felt like doing it. That's a huge approach to getting over this and being able to actually be proactive in lowering the temperature of, of our culture, lowering the temperature. If, this, if as many people shared in their online presence, in their interpersonal reactions, you know, the truth is genuinely humble people are inattentive to their humility. They don't even think of themselves as humble. As a matter of fact, they don't even think of themselves at all. They're too preoccupied saying, how can I help? They're too concerned about what can I do to make others' lives better. But Matt, I have to do something. The government is out of control. Or that political party is, is out of control. Or, that's irresponsible, Matt. I, you, you should be doing what I'm doing, which is basically when you get down to it, I don't know what, carrying the sign? Right. Clicking like on a bunch of different posts of other people. Right. Because here's the thing. It takes a certain uh, amount of pride or arrogance for me to think that um, people are just waiting with bated breath Mm -hmm. uh, for me to tell them what I think so they can adapt their um, deeply held views to mine. I mean, what kind of a power? That always works. I think now Christ's approach was um, was not top down, was it? Because because look, he was fighting a, a pretty oppressive government there with the Roman Empire. Right. But what Jesus said to do is give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Okay. And they were amazed at him. That's Mark 12, 17. That is the approach that we are commanded to have. Doesn't mean we have to like it, doesn't, but I think our best shot is humility. If I'm going to get somebody on my side, they're going to have to like what I have, what I'm showing. Right. Right. And it's a discipline which I want to say something about that, the discipline of humility, because discipline is something that great women and great men exhibit behind closed doors. Jesus himself said, don't stand on the street corner and spout off. But the discipline of humility happens away from the cheering crowds and the NBC commentators. And, And it seems like disciplined people are often humble people. They don't need applause to do really well. We, we love great music. We admire great art. We envy the coordination and skill of great athletes and the strength, but we forget that it's the discipline that we didn't see that got them there. Who are you when no one is looking? I agree with that. And I think part of it is this, anyone who is disciplined has failed over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause I struggle with that. I hate mistakes. I hate to fail. But the people who realize that um, I've seen it enough, I know for sure I can fail. It's happened so many times I know. Um, I'll, I'll persevere. Yeah, the this. world won't end. Right. Exactly right. So St. John uh, Chrysostom said, humility is the root, mother, nurse, foundation, and bond of all virtue. Wow. Of all virtue. Ours is the way of humility. I'm, so if I... Look, if I'm seeing someone talking online, I don't care if it's a pastor or whatever it is, or an expert or a scholar, 
if I don't see humility, I learned this pretty early on because I didn't know who to follow. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't have a church when I first came to the faith. So I had to figure this out. Like, who can I trust? If I didn't see Christ in that person, that mm-hmm. meant I, I need to see some humility. I have a hard time trusting them. So people like N.T. Wright, for instance, is someone that I, I was interested. There are others too. But part of why I could have confidence and trust in him is because of humility. Now, if I, I'm not going to mention any names on this, but if I see somebody come out with anger and judgment, divisive statements, then, I, then I'm not going to listen to them. Ain't repeat. nobody got no time for that. No, because I can't trust it. They'll mislead me because they're misled themselves because we are commanded to be humble. It's interesting you say that because throughout the Bible, and especially the disciples, who were the ones that wrote about themselves, I just find it interesting the disciples were humble, and they were humbled enough to tell the story on themselves from Mark 9, 33. The disciples and Jesus came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he began to question them. What were you guys talking about on the way? But they kept silent for on the way they had discussed with one another, which of them was the greatest. (laughs) And so sitting down, Jesus calls the 12, meaning the 12 disciples. And he says to them, if anyone who wants to be first, he shall be last of all and the servant of all. And I think it's, they literally tell this on themselves, which to me shows their humility that they're like, we screwed up again. We're going to tell you about it. And they kept silent when Jesus says, what were you talking about? Well, no, I'm well not. they knew it was wrong, didn't they? There's yeah. a wise part of themselves. That, oh, Especially because he had just said, if anybody wishes to follow me, he or she must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And they're talking about which in the very next chapter, which one of them is the greatest. It's kind of crazy. It's, it, it, well, it reminds me of Proverbs. Proverbs 29. Pride brings a person low but the lowly in spirit gain honor. See, Christian, Christianity is upside down. It's, it's the opposite of the world. The things that we think are going to work in the world, like I'm going <clears throat> to tell you off because you're wrong about this. And we've been through so much of this with COVID. We've been through so much of it with the I'm exhausted. campaign. I know, but what, what we're doing is we're adding kerosene to a fire when we meet with that resistance. The way is, is completely counterintuitive to our animal nature right? But that's the point. We have to go outside of ourselves and you have to be humble to do that. Mm. And, and that doesn't mean thinking negative thoughts about yourself. Negative thoughts about yourself don't grow your humility. It's ridiculous to have this low view of yourself because who are you looking at as you have a low view of yourself? You're looking at yourself. Yeah. Why are you thinking so much about yourself and other exactly. people's perceptions of yourself? That isn't humility. But every virtue has a vice that masquerades as it, right? Mm. And so it has something that looks like it, but isn't because that's how evil gets into us. Low self-esteem or thinking you're unimportant does not mean humility. No, it doesn't because it's egocentric. Right. It's focused on you rather than others. Right. It's not denying that you've got gifts. That you've been given gifts and talents and strengths and insights, but truly great people recognize their gifts are just that gifts from God, a loving creator. Yes. So really humility comes from a place of strength and inner security. If you put it that way. Yeah. I believe that to be true. Mm -hmm. And we have a model for it. So we have to remember these things when we read them in the Bible. Bible isn't like this um, self-help thing that you just sample and move on to the next self-help book. This tells us the nature of reality, right? The, the, The scriptures are patterns of reality that you can have confidence in. This is how the world can be restored. 
to mm-hmm. how it was created. How you can be restored. In well, yeah, you're in the world. Even as yeah. the world is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's such a reminder as like in Jesus' kingdom, which is the world the way it looks like when it's restored, when things are put back in, in order. In Jesus' kingdom, it's not first come, first served. It's suffering that gets the reward, not selfish suffering, but selfless sacrifice. And gosh, when I look around, we don't need any more people saying, look at me, look at me. They're everywhere. What the world needs and what I think the world is longing for are authentic, humble people who know how to serve others. Yeah, I agree. So, but it's hard to do. So we need models. So when, when we read the scriptures, we want to look at Christ as the model. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I've been doing is I'm looking at the saints, the lives of the saints, because Christ did it perfectly. So that's, that's harder. That's the ideal. But I like to see, read stories about people who've struggled. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and how they overcame the struggle. So that's been helping me a lot. Yeah. There's so many stories, so much good in the midst of a lot of challenges. We're not the first people to be living in a challenging time. No, no, these patterns repeat. Yeah, that's so good. I think humility and even just to be thinking about it and asking God, how do I put this into practice? Or God, how do you put this into practice in my life? Yeah, I, I, I agree. So the, per, the people, because you, you've met this before, I know you have, where you suggest this or something along the lines of this, and um, there's a defensiveness that comes up because they, they, they feel like they've got some power that they need to use to, to change the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But here's what I think about that. Your best shot is humility because when you do the other thing, you get, um, you know, indignant, irate, maybe caustic in your speech, that has a backfire effect. Or if you just say something that you know is going to offend the person, I mean, how are they going to want to join your cause when they've been treated that way? Your best shot at influencing someone is to have them like you and feel good about you and see something that is um, even morally higher than, than what they usually see. You know, and that and that's putting on the mind of Christ. Yeah, and it takes time. It takes they may time. not see it for a while. Well, it'll take time for you to do it. It's not right. like it's easy, <laughs> right? I mean, to practice that, be disciplined. Oh, it's against it's our nature. It is. Yeah, and trying harder doesn't work. For me, it's more instead of trying, I'm going to surrender. Yeah, yeah. Say that's true. Say more about that. The gospel message, the good news message of. Christianity and psychologically, I think this holds true. The good news message isn't just try harder. It's submit yourself to these, this truth of how loved you are. Submit yourself to the way that Jesus says, I am the way and the truth in the life. And if I can place myself in his way, in his truth, in his life, then from a Christian worldview, that's that's going to be how I go beyond myself. Yeah. I've got to give up to get the things that are good that I really want. And that will change the world in the same way that it changed the world in the first century. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's what did it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't t- taken by Rome, wasn't taken um, by force, you know, when it became Christian. Um, yeah, this, they didn't this, pick up a sword and fix it. And he wouldn't have told us to do something that wouldn't work anyway. Right. You know, it's worked before. It worked in the civil rights um, 
you know, in the, in the, in the sixties, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that, that really worked. You know, one of, one of my good buddies, African-American guy, and we were talking about this because I'm not seeing that today. I'm not seeing the, a unifying message that we love our enemies and then that's going to win. I, I'm not, I'm seeing the other thing that we, we go and fight. And so I, I just mentioned that I said, but it worked. And he says, thank you. I, I've not heard anybody say that, you know, that works because it was Christ focused. You know, that's hard for some people to hear because they believe in the other thing. But the evidence shows to me, and I'm sure that, um, you know, Dr. King um, wasn't always feeling compassion towards the people who were beating the heck out of him, you know, than the people he loved. He didn't, but he, he, he chose it, yeah. And he submitted himself in a lot of ways. You know, you think about it, this whole message, this insane message, which is the true sanity that we have to look for, it all began as we remember every Christmas, when God came to earth as a baby, helpless, able to squish it with one hand. And God, even before Jesus was born, came to a young woman named Mary. He sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And it is my prayer that however you're feeling about all this, that you would know that you are highly favored by God and that God is with us, whatever you may be going through, even in the brokenness of the insanity of our our culture. And think about it. Mary was young. She was poor. She was female. All characteristics that would have made her unusable by God for any major task, especially in that day in the Middle East or anywhere. But God drew near and chose Mary for one of the most important tasks of obedience he ever demanded anyone. And and the idea is it was a complete act of humility. You know, as Mary, who's troubled by his words, wondering what this is, and the angel says, don't be afraid, you found favor with God. And, And that doesn't mean success and fame and 10,000 Instagram followers. But his blessing, Mary, as the mother and the Messiah, would lead her to so much pain. But think of it. Her humility, her submission was part of God's plan to bring about salvation in the world. Yeah, you didn't want to walk around in that culture pregnant and not have an explanation for it. Right, right. right. And she said, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's like the, the famous Magnificat, you know, that so many Christian faiths remember. And it's that's our answer in the midst of the insanity is, can I magnify God here? God, help me to magnify you. My soul magnifies you. Let, let all of me do that. Your will, not mine. Yeah. Magnify you, the Lord, not me, myself. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Almighty God, I thank you so much that, that your way is so countercultural and alternative and completely opposite of what we think would work to change the world. And yet that's, I think, what makes it even more true to me is that it is not about me. And Lord, it's so easy to get offended. It's so easy to to stoop to the levels that we hate for other people. And we end up there ourselves. God, I pray that you would help us in our humility, help us to deflect, help us, God, not to try to make ourselves famous, but help us, God, just to serve people 
and point them to you by our actions and our attitudes. Lord, I ask that you would be in the midst of our culture. You'd be in the midst of our culture wars. You'd be in the midst of the internet. You'd be in the midst of the comments that people make and that you would be healing and redeeming all of it. And I thank you, God, that you laid down your life. You did not regard equality with God, something to be grasped, but emptied yourself, being completely humble like a servant for us and for our salvation. I pray that you would help us live that out in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.